You ready, Pops? I'm ready. <laughs> what is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Stand Up to Sitting podcast. I am your host and chief energy officer, Jeremy Abramson. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, today is the most special day in podcast history. I'm going to tell you why in a moment, because not only is it the the last, it's the final stand-up to sitting episode. We mentioned that we're going through a name change, but the guest that I have on today is none other than my father, Scott Abramson. I can't think of a better way to end this chapter of the podcast than by having my dad on the show. I'm so grateful, so inspired for this conversation. Dad, welcome. Hey, hey Jeremy, buddy. All right. <laughs> We're doing it. Yeah, yeah. This is your 100th uh, podcast here. 100th podcast. And, you know, it's it's been a really fun journey. And, and it's been such a fun journey. Um, and I feel like I've improved so much at becoming an active listener and becoming more engaged in my conversations because sometimes people are talking and we're not really listening. We're listening to offer a response. And one thing that I've really learned when talking and connecting with people is the importance of being engaged and being present because you're going to get some wisdom and knowledge bombs and being able to shift the conversation and run different directions based on what they give you is so important. The ability to improvise. Yeah. And remember, Jeremy, remember I told you that when you, when you write down the letters of the word, listen, what, can you rearrange those letters to spell? So you know the answer to that. And I know the answer to that, but maybe your podcast listeners, maybe they can try it out and see what they get. You can give them the answer next podcast or something. I love it. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Think about that guys. You take the word listen, right? So write it down right now and, and then rearrange those letters to find another word that, is very closely related to listen. Um, Yeah, and I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, I read this story. um, I read this story the other day. A guy is having trouble with his marriage. So he goes to the rabbi and he says, Rabbi, I'm having trouble with my marriage. What should I do? The rabbi says, go home and listen listen to your wife. So a month later, the guy came, comes back to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, he says, for one month, I listened to every word my wife said, and we're still having trouble. Rabbi mm. says, now go back and listen to every word she doesn't say. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. And I, think, and I think that's a perfect segue, you know, to talking about the relationship with you and mom. Uh, you guys have been married over 40 years at this point and 42. 42. Right. 42 years. And 
I just think that's so incredible because especially in a, in an era, in a period of time where divorce is so common. And I think over 55 to 60% of marriages end in divorce and relationships in general, I feel like are something that we don't really learn about. We don't learn how to develop healthy relationships, how to nurture these relationships, how to communicate effectively. And I, I really would love for you to provide some tips, some things, some strategies that have really helped you and mom maintain this love, maintain this connection uh, over this course of time. Mm. You know, it, it, I think uh, a good marriage, like anything else, it takes work. It does. It's, uh, it's, you know, based on, it's based on love, but things happen in life and uh, things think and things happen. And it, it does take work. Uh, it takes understanding and, and tolerance. Now, you know, today is today you, you called on mom's birthday, right? So you called on mom's birthday. Uh, I don't, I don't, mom's in the other room now, but, oh, you're here. Okay. You want to come and say, Jeremy can say happy birthday to you in person? Sure. Hi, mom, you're live on the podcast. <laughs> Hi, Jeremy, darling. Get in the picture so we can yeah, see. Can oh, you get oh. in the picture here? All right. Hi, Jeremy. 42 years. Hi, She's my love. beautiful as ever. I put some makeup on for you. I'm so I'm so grateful. You know, I mentioned to dad, I mentioned to dad that I can I couldn't imagine a better way to spend the hundredth episode of this podcast than by having the two people who inspire me most on a daily basis. So it is, uh, it's amazing to have you on here, and you deserve everything and more on this day and every other day. Oh, well, thank you, Jeremy. And may I say it has been a privilege to raise you to this point, a joy. Thank you were you. the most happiest baby, always singing in the morning, a joy. Yeah. He had his ups and downs, did he? A few. A few. We'll, we can talk about that. <laughs> Listen, I think, I think one of the things that... Uh, that for both of you guys that really stands out when i think about when i think about my childhood is just the way i i always say without when i'm working with clients like the two most important things are commitment and consistency you know you have to commit to whatever it is that you want to accomplish whether that's being a good parent whether that's uh, whether that is being a good doctor, whether that's being a good brother, whatever it is, you have to make that commitment and you have to take consistent actions on that thing every day. Um, and, and I think for both of you, that is something that you guys both really have applied in a powerful way. You know, I, I'll never forget, like, I mean, every single day, at the exact same time, 2.50 p.m., mom is waiting for me, you know, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade at Burrell Middle School, waiting for me at the exact same space. And like clockwork, never late, never late. And, and that, is, that is something that 
that stability and that consistency, I think got ingrained in me in a way that I'm realizing more now, like, oh my gosh, like that's so, that's so powerful to show up in a, in a way like that, because now I know that mom supports me, like regardless of what happens, I know I can count on her being there. And I think so few people have that constant stability and accountability and support in their life. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've been able to tap into that myself. Uh, and, and then, and same thing with you, dad. I mean, even though you're super busy with, with work, every single Wednesday, you made it a point to, you know, spend time with me, spend time with John and, 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 and be as present as possible. And I think that's something that everyone listening and watching can, can take note of, you know, how are you showing up? You know, you say you want something, but are your actions aligning with those aspirations? So, uh, so with, with all of that being said, you know, mom, I, I'm so, so, so thrilled that you guys are safe and sound and that I have the chance to wish you a happy birthday over this video. Um, and I think that's beautiful. You know, the fact that we have the ability to do this, even as the world is in an interesting place, we're able to connect. And, um, and yeah, I just want to, the last thing I want to say before I pass it off to you guys is for anyone listening, for anyone watching right now, you know, your mom, your dad, maybe you have some past beef with them. Maybe you've held some grudges or you have some resentment from the past, but it's really not worth holding on to. I really encourage you guys, especially in the time that we're in right now, to reach out to your mom, reach out to your dad, tell them how much they mean to you and, 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 and really start to shift that narrative. Um, because I really think it's going to create a space of healing and, and, and it's going to, it's going to, it's going to transcend a lot of your limiting beliefs that you may have had in the past. And may I say before I go, as I am 72 today, that time goes so fast. Mm. So don't waste it on meaningless things because time is very precious. Mm. Before you turn around, you and Jonathan were babies, and before I knew it, you were going to college. Mm-hmm. It goes so fast. So, fast. so I will agree, Jeremy, with what you say to any of your uh, listeners out there. Please, if you have something going on with family members, try and get along. Mm. And, and thanks. And, and, you know, Happy birthday, dear. Happy you. birthday. Thank you. That Thank woman you. right there. I mean, mom, you had me at 43. You know, that's... that's 42 that's, and a quarter to be the, like that. That's the type of... No, that, that's the type of sacrifice. Now. Over three years of being breastfed, probably three a lot. And a quarter. Three and here's and a quarter. 
And here's the thing in that time, you know, I'm sure you received dirty looks, people talking behind your back, but that didn't matter. Like when you, when you actually want something and you're committed at that level, you're not going to let these little trivial things get in the way of what you want. I, I got some looks, Jeremy, but you know, for me, it was one of the greatest joys of my life. Yeah. And uh, if you would have told me when I had you that I would be nursing you for over three years, I would have said you're crazy. But that's what happened. Yeah. I love it, Mom. Thank you so much for joining in and making this episode that much more special and meaningful. And uh, I believe I have this beautiful bald man I need to continue conversating okay. with. Have a wonderful day and stay safe. Yeah, Thank yeah. you, Ma. There you have it, guys. If uh, you need a, li a little motherly love, you got it right there. My mom providing all of it for you. All right, Jim, Dad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that may be a little difficult to hear for, for some of your female listeners on this. And because I know that a lot of the female listeners that you have are, are productive people, they have careers, they have very interesting lives, they, they're doctors, accountants, uh, real estate agents, they love their work, they love their careers. And I was so, I felt so lucky and so blessed that mom, that her calling in life was not to be one of those, you know, which is wonderful, those things, but to be a mom. And a, and a wife. And I, for me, I was so proud of the fact that, that she was there for you at 2.50 every day at, at school. And when all my colleagues would say, you know, my wife is a pediatrician, my wife is a this, my wife is a lawyer, she's a teacher, she's a professor. I didn't envy any of them. I felt so proud that mom was able to be with you. And, and that's why my heart goes out to a lot of women career people who are married and who have children and must be so torn between, you know, work and life and, and, and being a mom and, and being a professor, whatever. You know, one of my colleagues told me this story and she's a woman. She works full time. She's an OBGYN doctor. And um, she has a, she has a child. She has a husband. She works full time. And she, she says she has a wonderful nanny. And the nanny is just a wonderful person and everything and, and, and everything. But she says, you know, like my um, like like Mother's Day was a few months ago. She said she told me this over a year ago. She says Mother's Day was a few months ago. And my son and all the people in his little first grade class, they had all these little made all these little cute Mother's Day cards. And my son gave his to the nanny. Mm. Wow. It's going to be so tough, so tough and so painful for, for, for women uh, who are in the workplace, who love their work and love their families. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And listen, I think, I think the same message, maybe on a, a lesser extent, can be, can be sent to the dads out there too, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, um understand that like especially when your kids are so young like yeah. they they might not listen to you but they observe and watch everything and yeah. and uh and even i think i think 
you know, we were talking a little bit before about this idea of work-life balance. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's necessarily about finding this perfect balance. I don't know if that's attainable, but like I mentioned, you did a great job of when you were spending time with John and I or mom, whoever it may be, like that's where you were, you know? And, and of course, if you're on call and you, and you have to take care of something that that's going to happen. But for the most part, man, like we would go to a baseball game, we would go for a bike ride and like, that's where you were, you were fully present. And I think that's so valuable um, for people listening is like, you might only have 30 minutes a day with one person. That's fine. But like make the most of that 30 minutes. Yeah. Make the most, especially right now with people in the current state of the world, you're spending more time with your family right now than you ever have. So this is a perfect time to really ask meaningful questions, have meaningful conversations and, and dive a little deeper and really maybe, maybe realize again how much you love your family and how much maybe you have neglected them or, or, or not shown them that the love, the love they need. So hopefully this is a good, good time for a lot of people to regain that awareness. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, you know, um, it's, I, I was at a, I was sitting in the park the other day and it, it you know, the, um, you know, the park right on Hillsdale Boulevard and uh, I saw this guy, this spiffy looking guy, and he was sitting on a bench and he had, and his two little kids were playing on the monkey bars and jumping around and laughing and, and, you know, everything, having a good time. And the dad was sitting there on the bench with his laptop and he's looking at his laptop and these kids are just joyously laughing and he missed it. Mm. He missed it, you know, and, and honestly, and, and, I think there's a little bit of laptop dead in all of us. And honestly, I, I wish I could have, you know, I wish I could live up to the ideal that you have. But there were a lot of times where, you know what, John, Jeremy, I, I maybe wasn't totally there. I was like thinking of patience. I was thinking of work I had to do. I was thinking of this. I was thinking of that. And I wasn't totally there. I, I know I could have done better. Um, and a lot of times... I really, a lot of times, here's the thing. I think a lot of times we live our lives in the almost. We live it in the almost. Like, like you're sitting there and you're, you're, you're at work and you're on the phone and you say, just, just let, me, let me make these two more calls and then I'll call home and, and, and say goodnight to the kids. But then the calls go on longer than you think and you almost make the call home to say goodnight to the kids. You almost make it, but you don't. Or... How about, you know, you're, you're, um, you're saying, gee, I'm going to work really hard for two months. Once I get this two months thing out of the way, then I'm going to be able to go to junior soccer games. But you know what? You work hard those two months. They build more business. You're more busy. And you almost get to junior soccer games. Mm. You know? And we live the same thing. You know, we live the same thing every day. How many times have you been there? Have you been at your desk and going, you know, just like, um, hey, just two more, two, let me fill out two more forms and then I'm going to pay heed to the need of my bladder, right? Mm. But, yeah. you know, two forms, they last longer than you think and you don't pay heed to the need. I mean, eventually you do, but you, you know, you almost don't. 
and but you don't pay heed when the heat needs heating, you know. But, I get Jerry, it, man. You know, let me tell you one thing. Let me tell you one story. I, I have a colleague, and here's the thing. She's a she's a hardworking doctor. She's a mom. She has a seven year old daughter, and one and and she's facing this work life balance issue. So one Sunday, it's a rainy Sunday, and she is gonna spend some quality time with her seven year old daughter. So they so the fireplace is going on. They turn on the big screen TV and they watch the Lion King, and so the daughter's all curled up on the rug and she's watching Samba on the screen. And now mom thinks to herself, the coast is clear. Now I'm going to catch up on some journal reading. So she picks up the medical, uh, latest medical journal. She's sitting, she starts reading the journal. And all of a sudden her daughter turns to her and says, mom, you're supposed to watch the movie. You're supposed to watch the movie. And that's the thing. She almost watched the movie. Mm. And we all need to watch the movie because I can tell you this, and I, I'm going to tell you this from experience too. One of these days when we look back on our lives, I bet we wish we all had watched the movie. Mm. I love it, man. It's it's really powerful. And, 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 and I appreciate you sharing your stories. Keep, 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 feeling free to share them as we go on. And, and what do you think is something we can do to avoid that trap? Because the first thing that comes to mind for me is like, and, and something I know that works for me, uh, is boundaries, is creating boundaries. Yeah. Um, you know, right now, more than ever, it's so easy to take your home, take your work home with you. Uh, and I think that's one of the big reasons why you've seen such a rise in stress levels and in inflammation levels and in chronic disease, because people are constantly attached to their work. And yeah, they're at home at 6 or 7 p.m., but they're, they're not really resting. They're not really doing the things that restore their body and restore their mind. Uh, so I'm curious to know, like, what is, what is something that maybe worked for you to really, and, and I know you mentioned transparently that there's times where you weren't the best at doing it, but I, I would say, I would really say that you, you did a, for the most part, you did a, a very good job, um, with doing that, but what are some things maybe that you can offer up some simple solutions perhaps? Yeah. Um, and I and let me just go back because it really is it really is an issue. Uh, the illnesses, the physical symptoms that people have, it takes its toll. And you know, I don't know whether you mentioned. You know, I I'm, uh, I just retired and uh, I've been a neurologist for the last forty years at Kaiser Permanente. And as a neurologist, you know, you know, you see uh, there's a lot of patients that have Parkinson's and multiple sclerosis and epilepsy and, you know, brain tumors, all that sort of stuff. So but I would say that 90 percent of the people that I saw. Excuse me, didn't have any of that stuff. They were sent to me because they had because they thought they might have it because they had all these mm -hmm. symptoms like I'm dizzy. I'm, I have no energy. I'm. 
Um, I can't think, I can't concentrate, all this stuff. This is, these are the people that I saw. And a lot of these people had what I call the, uh, the CHFHC syndrome. You write down those letters, C-H-F-H-C, C-H-F-H-C, C-H-F-H-C. And this is the story that they would, this is the story of these people, is that they would come in, and these were healthy, productive, on-the-go, go-getter type people. They weren't anxious, they weren't depressed, they weren't neurotic, like nothing like that. They were your average, uh, not above average, you know, on-the-go people. But they ended up seeing me because of all these symptoms. And mm. here's what was, here's what he was behind this. So let me, so I say this. So I saw this one young woman. She's in her 30s. She has two kids. She's a, 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 an executive at the Bank of America. She's a real, uh, a real go-getter. She's married. She has a husband, two kids. She was like one of these really perky people. She was like head cheerleader when she was in high school. And so she came with all these symptoms. We did all the tests and we talked about her lifestyle. She's just always on the go. So we talked about that. She comes in a week later. And she says, Dr. Abramson, I would just want to, we had that talk. I appreciate that. She says, you know what I did? I hired a house cleaner. Now, and this is something that, that your women listeners will relate to. Guess what she did the night before the house cleaner came? She cleaned the place. Yeah, she was up all night cleaning her house. Because she didn't want the house cleaner to think she had a dirty house. Oh my I mean, so that's, this is what we call, this is what I call the CHFHC, the clean house for the house cleaner syndrome. You see, <laughs> it's, I mean, guys, are, guys, uh, the guys hear this and they're going, what the hell? You know, what's that about? You know, but, but like a comparable thing might be a guy brings his car to the car wash and he gets out of the car and he helps these guys and he supervises them washing the car. You know, there's so much this, this idea we have to be in control. We have to, and these are, like I said, these are very productive. These are great people, the best, the most productive people, but there's a price to pay. Mm. Because they all, everybody wants to have control. They want to have control over everything. One of my patients came to me, one of these ladies like this, the, the CHFHC patient, she came and another one said, you know, I go, to, I go to all my daughter's softball games and I sit in the stands to make sure she doesn't get hit by a softball. <laughs> and I said, well, and I said the obvious question, I said, well, how does your sitting in the stands prevent your daughter from getting hit with a softball? She had no answer. But I have a I have a big sign in my office exam room. It says, and the sign says, for peace of mind, give up being general manager of the universe. Mm. A, a lot of things come up for me when when you when you talk about these things. So so I'm not sure if you're familiar with Bruce Lipton, uh, but but he has a book called biology of belief and he basically like with with science and facts he shows how 
how negative thoughts impact you and cause inflammation in the body at a cellular level. Yeah. So he talks about how literally by having these self-limiting thoughts, these paralyzing beliefs, it causes inflammation at a cellular level. Now, what comes up for me when you talk about that CHFHC scenario is that so many people are living their lives trying to please other people, trying to impress other people. They're fearing being judged. And, yeah. and, and when you live life like that, you're not really able to unleash your full potential because you're constantly showing up and acting with the thought of someone else watching you and critiquing you and, 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 and that that's kind of what comes up for me. Like when, when you talk about that scenario and I think that's, that's something so many people struggle with. I mean, you know, you and I have talked about, I've tried to get on you for that. Like this is the perfect time for you to build your personal brand, create content for you. The resistance with creating content isn't about like you're fully confident in creating content in terms of like actually what you would say and stuff like that your resistance comes with the technology part of it, right? Most people, when it comes to creating content and and sharing content, they are perfectionist. They're like, oh, well, what if someone says something nasty about this video? Or what if uh, he thinks I look unattractive? Where all these things come up and we get paralyzed. Uh, And and I think that's what, what causes a lot of people to never really chase their dreams so many so many people are trying to please and i think you know kids and parents so many parents one of the only reasons i think colleges are still in business today is because parents use college as bragging rights with their group of friends hey hey guess where hey guess charlie got into michigan oh well that's great guess what andy he got into Princeton and it's like, it doesn't even become about, about the kid anymore. It doesn't become about the actual, uh, the actual information and knowledge they're gathering. It's simply about bragging rights and ego. Yeah. 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 God, I, I, yeah. Don't get me started on, on colleges. I, you know, it's, uh, it, it's maybe, maybe one of the good things about this, about this, you know, affliction with the virus, is people going to see how, you know, kind of worthless colleges are, that you can get the same information off the internet. You know, Mm. you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to all these great thinkers, and just turn on your computer and get a better education than you can spending $50,000 a year living in a dorm, getting drunk with a bunch of fraternity guys, you know? Yeah, and, Uh, and, and... And a and hundred, I mean, that, that's spot on. I'm curious to know, dad, like if you can kind of put yourself in my position now, let's say you were, you know, just getting out of college now, you know, I know this is hard to kind of reframe, but do you think you would still go the route you did in terms of pursuing medicine, going to med school? Because 
listen, that's a sacrifice. That's a grind. You're eating shit for a few years. And, and I'm sure it, it, there's a lot of frustrating components of that. So I'm curious to know everything, you know, now, like you said, in this information age where you have access to unlimited information for free, do you think you would have gone down the same route? Well, you know, Jerry, Jeremy, it's, it's interesting that you say that in the context of what you had said just before, because uh, um, my father, Grandpa George, you know, he grew up in the school of hard knocks. I mean, he was on his own from the time he was 13 and had to make his way in the life. And, and it was a tough life he had. And he wanted, he wanted me, his only son, to have an easier time. He wanted me so much to have a profession. And in a way, you know, my father, it's not that he lived, he, he wanted a better life for me. And, he, and so a lot of my going into medicine in some way was us to get his approval, to, to, to validate what he had worked for. And so for a lot of years, I felt, my gosh, this really isn't my accomplishment. This is, I'm, you know, tough. And I had those conflicts. But as I worked longer and longer, I, I began to take much more pride in, in what I did and, and, and self-pride and self-satisfaction in, in the work that I did. And, and as I look back on it, I am so glad, so blessed that I have been able that, that this was the path I chose. It worked for me. I, um, I worked there for 40 years and, and the people I worked with, I loved, I had a family there, the doctors, the nurses that I worked with, the, all the staff, the patients. And, you know, um, it's uh, it, one of the things that I'm so grateful for is because um, and because of this conflict that I mentioned that I had, it did create some conflict with my father, you know, and finally, when I realized how blessed I was that I, that my father gave me that push, that he really did, you know, want so much for me to do this, that he, that he laid down the rules, that I, that I did succeed in the way he wanted it. So I was kind of ambivalent toward him for many years, even though I loved him dearly. And I'm so glad that he lived long enough. He lived to be 101. And he, I am so glad that he lived long enough. And I had the realization finally for what he had done for me that I was able to finally thank him. Mm. When do you think that happened? Like, do I you remember? Probably, when yeah, I know. I think it was probably, I probably must have been about, I probably must have been about, maybe 35, 40 years old, when I finally mm. said, Dad, I know you were hard on me, but I want to thank you so much for what you did. Mm. And I feel so sorry for those people that maybe went through what I did and their parents were no longer alive to tell them that they, mm. that they appreciated all that they did. Um, so I'm so, I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful that I was able to tell my dad that. And, you know, it's funny, Jeremy, you know, mom was, 
mom was saying, what a, what a, uh, you know, what a wonderful kid you were and all that, but you were kind of, you were kind of rebellious. And there was in your teenage years, you were pretty rebellious. I remember a time when you sat, when you stood in front of mom and I on the couch, I think you were in the 11th grade at the time. And you looked at us and you were going through, you know, and you looked at us and you said to us, I remember the exact words you, you said, I cannot believe that you two are my parents. And then you went, please, please tell me I was adopted. <laughs> Man, I don't even remember that, but I don't know. <laughs> I remember um, a lot of things. Yeah, um, no, feel free to share, man. And, and and I think it's such a valuable thing that you, you touch upon with you and Grandpa George. You know, uh, like you said, I mean, you, you still had a good relationship in that time, but you were probably holding on to these feelings of resentment uh for 5 10 15 years and thank goodness like you said you identified you came to the realization that he was doing this all for you and not to you and you were able to actually like have meaningful years together and and so many people aren't afforded that luxury so my call to action for people listening would be again like i like i mentioned earlier when my mom was on here uh don't don't take these moments in these times for granted you know understand that your parents are 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 really most likely doing the best they can but unfortunately there's no manual on how to be a great parent you know a lot of it is trial and error and a lot of it is also adopting things from that person's parent so you're talking about generational stuff you know, uh, I'm sure a lot of the way that you, you parented was the way that you were parented. Like a lot of the same principles, I'm sure you applied some of those. And I'm sure I'm going to apply a lot of the same principles that you applied to me. Um, and, I, and I think that we, we need to understand that you need to have compassion for the situation and, and really understand that by holding resentment and by, and by holding on to these grudges, you're, you're hurting yourself, you know, like by, by not forgiving yourself and anyone else, you're really just holding on to all of this tension that is causing inflammation in your body. It's weighing you down and there's no better time to let go of some of that stuff than right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Jeremy, you know, that, you know, this is your hundredth podcast. And we, you know, we're talking about jobs and careers and, and, you know, there's, there's the people talk about, you have a job or some people have a career and some people, those lucky people have a calling. Mm. And I'm really so proud of you because I really believe what you're doing now, this is your calling. And I can tell you this, grandpa George would be proud of you. You know, uh, your grandfather he was a salesman all his life. He was a salesman. He was a um, he sold vacuum cleaners for uh, all through the Midwest. And I, I, when I was a kid, I had a job in a um, you know selling clothes in a men's store, and I hated it. I hated the. I went and sold encyclopedias door to door, all that stuff. I hated it. And I said to my dad, you know, what's the secret of being a good salesman? And he said, and I think this is the secret. This is the secret. He said, whatever I sold, I always believed it was the best. Mm. 
And so for him, when he made a sale to somebody, he was doing them a great favor. He was giving them something. He was, this was his calling. This was his calling. And I believe really that 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 same, you have that same spirit in you when whatever you're, I don't, you know, on these podcasts, the, the, the um, type of attitude that you're uh, and life approach to life, you're, you're selling that. But just like Grandpa George, you believe that that's the best there is. Mm. Ever. By the way, by the way, Jeremy, do you, do you remember what your first job was? Do you remember your first job? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> so, 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 uh, <laughs> you know, my dad, my dad is definitely someone who is the type of guy that like, as soon as you're able to do something, he's going to make you do it in terms of like work. Like, yeah. oh, you want something? Oh, okay. You know, and I, and I'm super grateful that that's, the way that you, you raised me, man. Like, honestly, I'm super grateful when I look back, but I think the job you're talking about is it was at a place um, where I was skinning chickens. Is that what you're talking about? Ray's, Ray's Hawaiian barbecue place. You were plucking the chickens. And how long did you work for there? I Just to give you guys an idea. I was probably, yeah, I think I was 15 and a half, maybe 16. And yeah. uh, this was like a little like Hawaiian barbecue spot close to home. And literally that's what they had me doing. Like I was in the back skinning raw chickens. And <laughs> like, I just, I just remember the second day, like, like my stomach was starting to really feel upset. And then I threw up outside and I was, and I, and I was like, no. I was like, no. And, uh, and, did yeah, they ever did they ever pay you for that day and a half you worked? I think they did actually. <laughs> they did. Okay. I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe we need to go back and and, and claim something. <laughs> I um, know because I know you never forget when someone owes you money. I remember. Remember the time. Remember that time when we were driving to a Stanford basketball game, and uh, it's like we live in San Mateo. Stanford's in Palo Alto, twenty mi- twenty miles away. So we're driving to the game, and I said, "Okay, Jeremy." If you can keep your hands in the air without putting them down, by the time we get to Stanford in 20 minutes, I'll give you $5. <laughs> so you put your hands in the air and you were going, and after about 10 minutes, your arms are getting so heavy. You were singing to yourself. You were trying to do everything, mind games. And you, you finally did it. You kept your arms up for 20 minutes. And, and I know we've had this argument again, because I know I paid you, but you insist I didn't pay you. And we and you you keep sending me a bill for five dollars and uh, man that's gotta that that that's gotta be like at least forty bucks now. <laughs> I've already paid you. I told you. I'll I paid send you. An, you. <laughs> I'll send you an invoice. I'll send yeah. you an invoice. But uh, but I want to go back to what you mentioned about this idea of having a calling and oh, man, I I can't even begin to describe. Like, this is the way that I felt. I mean, I've been on this journey, I would say, really where, I, where I've been on this path for the last couple of years, um, where I've just invested a lot of time, money, and energy into becoming the best version of myself so I can help others elevate their game and help tap into their highest potential. 
but I got to tell you, man, like in the last month, I would say probably right before all of this stuff started happening in the world, I've been operating on the highest frequency I've ever been on. Uh, I've been feeling called to serve at the highest level. Um, you know, I, I launched my first online one-on-one coaching program that I had been wanting to launch for a while, but different reasons and limiting beliefs prevented me from fully making it happen. And now that it is happening and, and I'm getting texts and, and messages every day from people in the programs talking about these transformations they're having, these realizations they're having, you know, uh, I mean, so powerful, like so, so powerful. And for me, like you were saying with Grandpa George, believing that whatever he's selling was the best thing out there. That's genuinely how I feel, you know, about everything I'm sharing right now, I feel like is such high quality, but also I know I put so much love and care and intention and, and into everything that I'm doing. So I know that, you know, even if maybe I don't necessarily have a little thing figured out, uh, I know that I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to make it happen at a high level. And I want to also give a call to action for people listening right now. The world needs you right now to serve at a high level. This is not a time to play small because you're the only person that has your unique set of experiences and skill sets and, 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 and gene expressions. And you need to understand that you're unique and you do have unique qualities that make you special. And these need to be shared with the world. It's no longer the time to hide them and, and to, to tell yourself that no one needs them or you're not good enough. All of these things that you might've been filling yourself with, it's really a good time to get above those limiting beliefs because I need you. We need you. The world needs you right now. Um, and I'm just feeling so called to serve, like so called to serve. I mean, I was working until two 30 in the morning last night, not because I had to, like, I didn't have to. And my, and my thought is like, I do have to right now. Like I couldn't even think of sleeping. I had so much energy and so much inspiration and a lot of work to do with my clients and different things. I'm, projects I'm working on, but more so it's like when you're operating from a place of purpose and, and you feel like you're living in your, in your, uh, in your calling, it's so energizing and, and things that might drain you typically actually have the adverse effect. And I just really want people to tap more into their purpose, uh, because, you may have been spending the last decade of your life working nine to five in some office, chasing someone else's dream, getting that stable paycheck. Well, now guess what? Now you're at home. Now you have a lot of time to really evaluate how you've been showing up and how you want to spend the rest of your life moving forward. Do you want to just clock in and clock out? Or do you want to actually wake up with meaning and with excitement and with purpose? And I think everyone has that choice. Uh, and, and I really hope that this time people take advantage of it. Yeah. 
And isn't that the greatest feeling in the world to wake up in the morning and you just can't wait to get that cup of coffee and start creating what you want to create? It, mm. That's the greatest feeling in the world. It is. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's a great feeling. It's you so know, Jim, yeah, I, I just, you know, you um, guys, there's so many things I so many things I, I, I can I'd like to tell you now. Um, but, you know, I was cleaning out your <laughs> cleaning out, uh, you know, now that I'm retired, I'm sort of going room by room and cleaning things out and organizing stuff. And I came across some of some of the old uh, some of your old uh, letters and things and cards. And I, it's amazing. I mean, like I have a whole stack full of, of things that you that you've written and like all of them start out like something like this. And there's a ton of these. It says, that is about uh, to expose me right now. Yeah, yeah. Here's, here's a dear senior citizen dad. This is when you're about, I don't know, about 15 or 16. I know these last couple of days have been tough on you and mom. They have also been some of my worst days of my life. I messed up and I'm willing to do everything that is necessary to pay the price. So don't worry about this incident. It's like all the others. And there's a ton of these things like this. Um. And, you know, it was like you were, like I said, you were kind of rebellious. I mean, you and you did get into some trouble as a teenager. I mean, I remember we had to go to um, juvenile court once with you. Mm. I don't know if this is going to make you lose some podcast members, but. No, no, had, no, no, no. Uh, so, so you had to go to. Open. Uh, so this is. And uh, but, you know, um, and and so and. It, it was some minor mischief, really. But you went to the I, I remember, I mean, I, I since we touched on it, I remember, you know, very distinctly. It was senior year of high school. I was 17. And yeah. uh, a couple of my friends and I, we saw a longboard in the gym locker room. And... We we kind of all said like plead oh. your case. You don't have to plead your case now. No, no, no. I'm not Look, pleading I mean, it. No, I, I want to no. actually explain what no no no. I actually want to explain what happened. I'm not I'm not you, pleading it. He anything. told the judge, but, he knows. <laughs> but 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 no, like when we got there before we were gonna play some a uh, couple hours of basketball, I think we all kind of like agreed, like, hey, if the longboard's still here after and like it was just lying there, like if if the longboard's still here in like a few hours, let's like take it for a ride. Uh and it was still there when we got back. So we took it out. And then I guess somebody, I guess the owner or something of the longboard, I don't remember the detail, like saw us riding it, reported it to the police. And then I remember coming home and like there's cop cars outside. And I was yeah. like, what the hell is going on? And 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 what I remember most is like, is uh, I was supposed to, I believe I was supposed to go to Costa Rica. Yes. Right. Yeah. I was yeah. supposed to go to Costa Rica yeah. on some sort of like yeah. two week trip right. or one week trip. I'm not sure. Yeah. And yeah. and you immediately like revoked that. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I remember when you were in the courtroom and you were supposed to go to the university of Oregon, you know, you, uh, you're supposed to go to the university of Oregon and the lawyer said to you, you know, be careful because the judge up here, the judge is a, is a fanatical U USC, University of Southern California football fan. So just be aware of that. And the, and the judge, you know, let you off with probation. You had to do community service for, you know, six for a year actually and check in and all that. But I remember mm -hmm. 
I remember, you know, you were going to Oregon. He was just, the judge was this fanatical USC fan. And after he said, he, after he did the sentence, as you walked out, he said, judge, we kicked your ass last year. <laughs> I said that. Yeah. Cause it was like you, cause Oregon beat him 35 to 34 or something. It was wow. like, uh, I said, I oh, God, let me get this kid out of here. Let me get him out of here before he, before they throw him into Rikers Island or something. Yeah. Uh, that's funny, man. That's funny. Yeah. yeah you know, and, and I think, I think one of the biggest things when I look back and, and dad, I think we're going to do a round two together because like, honestly, we could just rap for hours on end and, and I would love to do so. Oh, so I I'm got thinking so maybe, more material here too, man. I got a whole well, listen, of, no, no. You know what I think would be awesome. I think would be awesome is we could do these like on a weekly or biweekly basis. And I think, I think, you have so much wisdom and knowledge to impart and you're such a, such a great storyteller. And I honestly enjoy this so much because like I'm finding out things that I never knew. And, um, and I, and again, I think it's going to provide a lot of value because, you know, I've talked about on social media, uh, the, the, the role that you and mom have played in my life. And I actually made a list before, we hopped on here um, about some of the biggest lessons I've learned from you. And I would say these are the biggest lessons that I've really done my best to instill in myself. And, and, and when I understand like, where did these come from? It's, it's from you. So, so number one um, is humility. Uh, number one is humility. I think humility is, such a beautiful uh, quality to have. Um, and despite, you know, a lot of people in your position in medicine and you're starting to accumulate some accolades and, and, and some, and some, some wealth, whatever it is. But for you, man, like it wasn't about any of that stuff. You were literally so committed to showing up in a powerful way every day, lifting everyone up around you. And like we talked about, keeping your word and being committed and being consistent. And I think a way that you demonstrated this was just never, never emphasizing, like always actually emphasizing the lack of importance that material things play. And, and you know, up until like a month ago, you were driving the same Toyota Prius for over a decade, but, but for you, maybe part of that was to like send the message, like to me, to John, like, listen, like that shit doesn't matter. But I genuinely think from the bottom of your heart, like you, you were completely content with that. Like you felt no need to get a different car for a sign of status or, or anything else. And, and, yeah, and also just, you know, with that being said, with the humility, it's also the way that you interact and treat people. And I remember, I think I've told you this, but, you know, when I would sometimes go with you to the office, um, sometimes we'd go like before we would go to an A's game, we'd stop by the office and, you know, you'd see a janitor in the bathroom and you would talk to them like you would talk to another doctor or a patient. 
and you always treated those people with the highest level of respect. And I think so many people who reach a certain stature or title, they think that they're above other people. And one thing that I always observed was the way that you talked to people and treated people. And that humble, humble approach is something that I've really tried to emulate in, in the way that I operate. Um, still, still definitely have a lot to learn, but, but I want, as I go through these lessons I've learned, I want you to just kind of chime in and talk about that. So humility for you, like, what does that mean? And where did you learn that from? Jeremy, let me just tell you, I I really appreciate the fact that, that, you know, you picked up on those things that you appreciate them and that you're telling them to me. It just, it's really, it really does mean a lot to me. Um, You know, I think, um, I I, I think let's, um, let let me just, um, let me just tell you one more story and then we'll sort of wrap this up and maybe we can do another one of these down the road. Okay. Well, is the story regarding humility or is this the other story you told me about? Well, this is, I I think it is, uh, I think it is about humility or, um, but getting, but let me get back to one other thing that, that came up earlier. You know, you asked me how, what, what can people do to be present, to, to be more present in this hectic, you know, multitasking type of world? How can you be more present with your, with your family, with whatever you're doing. And it, it reminded me of, of uh, one of my colleagues. He's a, he's a physician, uh, Dr. Douglas Bowaki. And Dr. Bowaki, he grew up in a, in a very poor village in West Africa. And he told me that once a year, once a year on Christmas time, he would get the, the, the treat of his life. The treat of, of 12 months of yearning and waiting would finally come to on, on Christmas Day every year. Because on that day, this poor little boy in West Africa, he would get a Coca-Cola. He would get a Coca-Cola. And it wasn't even a full cup. He would get like a quarter of a cup of Coca-Cola. And he said, you know, he said, I'll never forget those days growing up in West Africa in that poor village. He says that America is a great place. And of course, of course, he can he can have a Coca-Cola whenever he wants to now. But he says, I'll never forget those days growing up. I appreciate everything I have. And I still savor every sip of every Coca-Cola I ever drink. Mm. You know, how many of us, and including me, and I ask myself this question, how many of us savor every sip of every Coca-Cola we ever drink? Mm. And what if we did? Mm. What if we did? Wouldn't that that make a difference in our lives? Let me cut you off real quick. So so what my dad is saying is, not to drink Coca-Colas because this is a health and and wellness podcast. So I just want to clarify that. But but I think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, what you're saying. It could have got VHs. It could have been a story with VHs. Is to to really like savor all of these, these 
simple things and these moments that we probably take for granted a majority of the time, whether that is eating with your family, whether that is going to the beach with your friends, whether that is reading a book, whether that's watching the sunrise, stop taking these things for granted. Is that, is that kind of the overriding theme of what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. So, and I, and I think, I think that message is so relevant right now, you know, now I'm hearing people in conversations here in Miami beach talking about like, all I want to do is go to the beach right now. And I'm like, yeah, well, let me ask you, you know, you live on the beach. How many times have you been to the beach in 2020? Well, Oh, two. I'm like, okay. So in three months of living on the beach, you've been, you've been twice, like, really? And now it's taken away from you. So, so we were talking, you know, off air about like, the good that's going to come out of everything happening right now. And I think this is going to be one of the biggest positives is people are just going to have a much deeper appreciation for all of these things that they took for granted previously. So uh, I'm excited to see how that looks. Um, And I love that story. You, you told that Um, you, you, uh, so I mentioned humility. I mentioned humility. I do want to talk about a couple more of these things that, that I've really learned from you that have helped me because if they've helped me, I really think they're going to help other people too. So a couple of the other things, uh, one of them is, is just work ethic. Um, and what I mean by work ethic is not like grinding and, and, and people hear the expression, like you'll sleep when you die. Like, you know, these type of expressions, hustle, hustle, hustle. And you already kind of addressed that when you were talking about this idea of always needing to be productive and accomplish things, but it's also stealing away from a lot of those special moments that we just spoke about. Uh, when I, when I say work ethic, it's really a couple different aspects. Number one is preparation. You know, number one is preparation. Uh, you know, I remember my dad would, uh, would compete in different public speaking competitions with Toastmasters, or he would be giving a talk, you know, with a wellness initiative that he was on the board of. And I would literally just like, I remember anytime I would walk in, uh, to your room and you would be showering, like, I would just hear you talking to yourself and then reciting these speeches and, and Sometimes I'd come downstairs late at night and you're like writing notes on, on a whiteboard or on, 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 on your legal pad. And you always have given so much preparation and commitment to the process. And you, you did this till the last day of being a neurologist and I'm sure you're still doing it right now. Like I'm sure now it's just so second nature for you to take notes and for you to articulate, articulate your, your ideas in an effective way. So preparation and the way that I've really instilled preparation into my life is, is obviously with my health and wellness and my personal practices, but also, you know, preparing for my clients, preparing for client calls, preparing for workshops I lead, preparing for classes I'm going to teach. Uh, I really believe that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like what I've found is 
not even necessarily preparing for like one specific event or one specific speaking engagement, but being ready if you're called to do it. And right now, right now I'm feeling so called to, you know, lift people up. And I think right now people are seeking leadership. So I'm feeling so called and I feel so ready and prepared. I'm not scattered. You know, I've never been more busy with different projects and different things, but I've also never been more at peace internally because all of the things that I'm doing and pursuing and, and are happening are things that I've prepared for. Um, I've prepared for it because I've been doing the work every day. Uh, yeah. Not nearly as long as you, but it's something that it's something that I really always observed. And I think it's something I always admired. It's something I always admired. And, and I'm just grateful that I found the thing that I'm able to channel that work ethic and preparation to. Exactly. Preparation. Preparation is so important. You know, the Vince Lombardi, who was the legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers, you know, and tough taskmaster. He said, he said, the secret of success is not the will to win. He says, everybody who gets in a fight, everybody gets in competition has the will to win. The secret of success is having the will to prepare to win. Mm. You know, I, Jeremy, did I ever tell you, did I ever tell you about that patient of mine who was a, a mixed martial arts fighter? I think I did. Did I tell you that guy about that guy? Yeah, but 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 do you want to tell a story? Uh, no, okay. Thanks for that. Thanks for that segue. Uh, <laughs> so so one of my patients is a uh, is a mixed martial arts fighter. And if, if you know anything about MMA, it's like one of the most brutal sports. I mean, people kick each other, they punch each other, they wrestle each other. And so one of my patients is one of these uh, mixed martial arts guys. And every year he comes into my office because the California State Association of Martial Arts, he has to get a neurological exam. So every year he comes in and, you know, because he has to fight that year. And so every year he comes in and I do a neurological exam and I fill out this form and, you know, can you say the alphabet? Can you count to 10 and all that stuff? So he's, and he's a really, he's really the sweetest, the nicest guy. He really is. And so he's leaving one day. And he's, he's got a fight coming up. I give him the forms. And I says, uh, well, uh, Jason, good luck. And he turns around to me and he says, Doc, don't wish me good luck. Luck is for those who don't prepare. Wish me good execution. <laughs> yeah. This is, this, is something, this is something that I don't know when you first told me that. Uh, it's, it's been a while and that's something that has also stayed with me forever because naturally like I'm telling people like hey I'm doing this or I'm teaching a classroom giving this talk or xyz whatever it is and they always instinctively because they've been programmed and conditioned to say good luck and yeah. I always say that exact same line I'm like I don't I I appreciate your gesture but uh but for me, it, it's all about execution. Um, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. And that, and that stuck with me, man. Um, that stuck with me. And it's also like the peace of mind you feel when you're prepared, like uh, it's showing up, showing up when like you've procrastinated or, or you, you haven't fully prepared, like you're capable of doing so. It's not a good feeling. 
no. uh, it's not a good feeling. Um, and then, and then, and then the other part of, of work ethic is, is really being able to, you know, for you, the, the thing, and I'm, I'm speaking specifically the parts that I've learned really from you, the way I interpret it is the ability to show up and serve at a super high level, regardless of what else is going on in your life. So you have to be able to detach from whatever other things may be going on and understand that you still need to serve. You still need to show up in a powerful way. And it's so easy to be grateful and be happy when everything is going well. But how do you respond to adversity? How do you respond to obstacles in your life? How do you respond to the world shutting down, you not being able to leave your house? You know, all of these external things are being stripped away. How are you responding? And I think that is really the, the big dictator of your character. Well, you know, Jeremy, I, I have learned, you know, really, and I really have learned it because this didn't come naturally to me. I have learned one, one simple concept, which is, which, which gets me through all of this stuff. And you know, the answer, you wear the answer. I wear the answer. It's gratitude. As a matter of fact, I am so grateful I, that that I'm not sick. I am so grateful that I'm well, my, that Pamela is well, that you're well, that Jonathan's well. I'm so grateful that, I, that, that Pamela and I, we're going to take a, when, we, when I get off this call, we're going to go take a walk in the sunshine. And then we're going to, you know, maybe go get a pizza. Um, you know, social distancing. Pizza and co- you heard it first here, guys. Pizza <laughs> and Coca-Cola. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, so that's, you know, we're, that's what, I think that's what gets, that's the secret is to, is to feel grateful for whatever, whatever you got, whatever you have. And I'm, I'm so grateful this morning. Um, I really am. Yeah, me too, man. And, and the last thing I want to, uh, last thing I want to touch on before we call round one over. And again, a good a good boxing round goes twelve rounds. So, so <laughs> guys, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna count on the audience to give us feedback. How are you liking this conversation with my dad? Because I can tell you right now, like I've learned so much just in the last hour, and and it's obviously special for me to be able to do this. Um, but I'm gonna be counting on you guys to give feedback. What was the biggest takeaway you had from today's show? Because listen, you can hear everything we're talking about but what are you going to actually take action on what are you going to implement into your life right now and the last thing that i wanted to mention was really the fact that one of the things i think i'm most grateful for in terms of the way that you raised me is giving me everything i needed without without uh, without raising me in this, what's the word? Um, without, without giving me this sense of entitlement, you know, it's very easy. If you, if you have 
the resources to do so to give your kid a car when he turns 16 or to pay for their spring break trip with their friends and all of these different things that you see are so common in our culture. Um, but what I think happens is when kids are just handed these things without having to work for them, without understanding what a privilege these things are, then it creates a sense of entitlement that just builds as they get older. So I see this at such a young age in this community is, you know, kids are, you know, starting from five or six years old, they're given an iPhone. Okay. You're given an iPhone at five or six. That's a thousand dollar piece of equipment. Uh, then, you know, anytime, anytime you cry or anytime you get upset, Oh, let's get ice cream. Let's get pizza. Like, no, don't cry. Like there's, there, there's nothing to cry about. Then it's, and then, then, then you come in eighth place in your, in your soccer tournament and they give you a trophy for getting eighth place. Like that doesn't make sense. Like I get it. I get it. That's cool that you participated, but I'm sorry. Like, like it yeah. takes, takes away the meaning of, of a trophy when you get one for finishing in eighth place. And, yeah. and this just continues to cascade. And one of the things, you know, I know we have some parents listening and we have a lot of soon to be parents, you know, be very intentional about the way that you raise your kids in terms of giving them things because they are going to take advantage of you and understand like, wow, okay, if he's going to give me that, like what else is possible? I'm going to go in for all of it. And I think one of the reasons why I have been able to maintain this certain perspective is because, you know, again, my parents provided me everything I could ever dream of, you know, paying for my college education, a beautiful roof over my head, you know, food at all times in the fridge, all the things, all the luxuries you could ever ask for. But with that being said, you know, like my dad still made me pay for my first car, which was my mom's old Honda CRV. Um, you know, if I didn't act in a respectful way, like my, my parents disciplined me. Um, and all of these experiences really helped shape, I think, who I am. And now I understand like, wow, I'm so glad that my dad didn't just buy me this or give me that. He actually taught me the value of hard work and, and that all of these things are privileges. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, I think you still owe me about $1,300. <laughs> Actually, we're, listen. No, in all seriousness, we we're gonna straighten out our finances. Yeah, I know. The five okay. k, the five k, it's way exceeded. We'll see. All right, we'll settle it. But for sure. But but dessert, Dad. But I, I want to give you a chance to respond to what I just said, and also any parting words that you have for the listeners, for anyone watching right now. Yeah, I I, I think you're so right. I mean, I think that's the the big problem is, is parents want to be their kids' friends. And there's always a temptation to, to want to be your kid's friend. And, to, and and I think in a way that's good, but there's got to be, you talked about boundaries, there's got to be a boundary. And I remember once, Jeremy, I remember once, because you were always challenging those boundaries. You were the challenger. And I remember one time you were about nine years old and, you know, we sit at our, our we sit at our, our, uh, 
our, our dinner table and I sit at the head of the table. You and Jonathan sat at the sides and mom sat at the other end. So one day I'm coming in for dinner and you're sitting in my seat. You're sitting in the head of the table seat. You're nine years old. And I said to myself then, you know, is this a really a big deal? Like, you know, so what? Who sits where? It's, you know, it's a new generation. And then I said to myself, no, no, that's my seat. Get out of my seat. <laughs> you know, so. Listen, man, uh, it, it's a way of manifesting, like, I'm the head of the table. I know. That's where I know. I'm going. Yeah, that's yeah. Where I'm going. Yeah, um, yeah. I love um, it, man. I, and we'll, sh- and, and we'll, share, we'll share more of these stories you know, in later episodes, because I'm sure my dad has a whole notepad full of them. But dad, do you have any parting words you want to leave the listeners with today? You know, Jeremy, if I could just um, take about another two minutes and and tell a tell just, I think this is probably one of my favorite stories that that I've that I've heard. And uh, let me share this with the, with the audience. So this happened in 1973, and I was uh, doing a clerkship. I was at Washington University Hospital in St. Louis, which is a very fine hospital. Um, and I personally wasn't involved in this case, but I, but a guy named Bob Green wrote about it, and and I was there at the time that this happened, and that's how I know about it. So there was this kid. He's 15 years old. His name is Douglas, and he was feeling kind of sickly. So his parents bring him to the emergency room. You know, he thought he had the flu or something, but they did all these tests. They did blood tests. They did a spinal tap test. They did bone marrow tests. And it turned out he was a lot sicker than he thought. It turned out he had leukemia. Now, the doctors and the nurses, they didn't sugarcoat things to him. They told him for the next three years, he was going to undergo chemotherapy. He's going to get sick to his stomach. His body was going to bloat up. He was going to lose all his hair. And upon hearing this, this 15-year-old kid, Douglas, he went into a deep depression. Mm-hmm. I mean, the doctors told him there was a chance of remission, but Douglas was a smart kid, and, and he knew that, that kids died of leukemia. Mm-hmm. So he comes into the, so he's admitted to the hospital, and he walks into his room, and he turns, his aunt was with him at the time, and he turns to his aunt, and he says, you know, where are the flowers? You know, when you're going to die of leukemia, you're supposed to get flowers. So his aunt called the flower shop a couple blocks away. And she said to the, to the, to the woman who took her order, she said, you know, my, 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 my nephew was just admitted to the hospital with leukemia. Could you send us over some flowers and please make it very, very nice and beautiful. So the flowers arrive and it's a beautiful flower arrangement and so forth. And in the, and in the flowers, there's this, there's this card from his aunt and it's a really nice card. But in that card, there was another card. And I want to share with you what that card said, because for the last over 45 years, I've carried the words from that card with me. And I want to share what that card said. Let me get it out of my, let me get it out of my wallet. Um, it said, um, whoops. Uh, well, You know what? Uh, I remember, I, I can't find it. It was in my wallet. I usually carry it, but it said something. Here's what it said. It said, um, Douglas, um, 
I know that you're admitted to the hospital with leukemia. When I was seven years old, I had leukemia too. I'm 22 years old now. Good luck. And it was signed, Laura Bradley. Now, upon reading that card, his aunt said that Douglas's face just lit up. And for the first time, he believed he had a chance to beat this disease. For the first time, he felt he had some hope. And it's a funny thing because here he is. He's in this the, one of the finest hospitals in the country. He's got millions of dollars of all this sophisticated medical equipment. There's expert doctors and nurses and counselors. But it took a woman working in a flower shop to give this kid the hope that he could beat the disease. A woman in a flower shop, maybe making $100 a week. And so the reason that I tell you this story and tell this to your listeners is that we all have tremendous power to change the lives of others. No matter what we do, we all have Tremendous power to change the lives of others. And Jeremy, I'm really, I, I know that what you're doing now is you're trying your best to do this. This is your calling. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you, bud. Ah, it's a beautiful story. And uh, yeah. The power of hope, the power of knowing that you're not alone. Uh, yeah, and that this we is, all have the power. We all have the power to change people's lives. Yeah, and it's, it's the small things. It's, yeah. it's the smile to a stranger. It's opening door the door for somebody. You know, especially in times like this right now, you know, people are scared. People are fearful. People are anxious. So just by doing one of these small things, you can really make a positive impact and know if you do that to someone, they're more likely to also do that to someone as well. And, and, and you create this domino and butterfly effect. So I think that's a great place to finish today's show. And, you know, I'm pretty, uh, uh, pretty in tune with my emotions. This one is, this one is definitely the most meaningful podcast, uh, meaningful podcast slash conversations I've ever had. And I'm really excited to see what you guys think. And I'm so grateful to share my, my father's knowledge and wisdom with you. And I promise this won't be the last time we do it. This kind of inspired me to maybe even make a separate series where it's my dad and I just you know, talking, maybe it's 15, 20 minutes. And uh, I think that would be really fun to do on a consistent, regular basis. So guys, for anyone listening right now, my dad and I are sending you all the love in the world. We know that you might be experiencing some challenging times, but like my dad mentioned, try to do your best to focus on those things that you still do have in your life. You have your family, you have food in the fridge, you have a roof over your head, you have clean water to drink from. And even if you did lose your job or something else that happened, 
due to what's going on, this is an opportunity for you to really elevate yourself and tap into a higher potential. And sometimes gifts and presents are wrapped in very unexpected ways. And I, and I really encourage you guys to open this present up and understand that it is a gift and it might not seem like it now, but in the long term, this is going to be a great, great thing for you. And, um, man, ah, this is the last, this is the last time we're doing it as the stand up to sitting podcast. This has been about one year in the running. And my last thing, I'm sorry for rambling on, but guys, this is a great time to start something and take action on something that you've wanted to, but for some reason or another, you haven't. Uh, you know, I was so scared starting a podcast. I was recording shows from my closet and, and now the show has been listened to by over a hundred thousand people in over 70 countries around the world. So I just want to let you know anything is possible, but you really just have to take that first step, take that first step. And there's no better time to do it than right now. So guys, you already know what time it is. It's time. It's time to take action on your dreams and stand up to sitting. And, uh, and because there's not going to be any reads or sponsors for this show, I just want to encourage you guys and thank you for listening all the way until the end today. This is truly a meaningful, uh, meaningful show for me. And I hope it was for you. Um, and guys, this is really the time to prioritize your health and wellness. This is really the time to prioritize your health and wellness. So, you know, start that morning routine that maybe you've been putting off, start moving your body more, start putting higher quality nutrients into your body, because that is going to ultimately impact your immune system in a positive way. So, so the last thing I want to say is, you know, if this show has impacted you in any way, it means the world if you just leave a review. A lot of you reach out to me and you ask me, hey, Jeremy, how can I help you? You've added so much value to my life. The best way you can help is by just leaving a review and sharing the show with a friend because that's how we spread the message and that's how we continue cultivating this conscious community. So there you have it. Dad, you're still there. This is the first of many, man. We're, we're going to have to launch your podcast after this. <laughs> well, I got to, my, my bride is waiting for me and I got to get going because, you know, I want to uh, survive another 72 years. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Thank you so uh, much for, uh, for everything today and for everything the last 29 years. I love you so much. Have an amazing, amazing day. And uh, mother, if you can hear me, enjoy your birthday so much. And I'll speak to you guys later this afternoon, okay? Uh, God bless you. Love you, bud. <laughs>